Our next storyteller. Next storyteller. Your next storyteller. Our next storyteller. Hello and welcome to The Narrators. This podcast collects stories from our live events where people share true stories based on a theme. Your next storyteller is Aries Reyes. Aries is a Denver-based storyteller who has performed all over Denver and Washington, D.C. They're also an MC and can be found hoisted on top of chairs, toasting bursts, and facilitating low-stakes competitions. This was their first time sharing a story at The Narrators. The theme of the evening was Over the Top. Hi. Um, so let's keep talking about rivals. So I was thinking about the constellation of feelings that you have about a rival. Like obviously there's jealousy and some disdain and some repulsion, but I think there's also a lot of attraction. I think there's also a lot of curiosity, a lot of fascination. Um, I would actually argue that the person who cares most about your successes and failures and wants to understand you most deeply is not your best friend, but your arch rival. And the person that I wanted to understand most deeply and cared for most fully of their successes and failures during the summer of my 12th grade year, or my 12th year of life, sorry, uh, was a young woman named Lindsay. And Lindsay and I were not meant to be rivals. We were actually pitted against each other. We were about the same height, uh, and the camp counselors ignored our very different athletic abilities and just saw, like, tall, yes, go. And they put us on opposite teams on every sport. Uh, And that kind of does a thing to two people. And there were, like, these, like, kind of weird comparisons of, like, the agile Doberman and the relentless Labrador Retriever. And that felt weird as a 12-year-old. And I was really bad at sports. Like, I was really good at reading and anime. And Lindsay was really good at sports. And the only way that I could, like, strategize to keep up with her was just by staying really, really close to her. And so I just was her, like, little chubby shadow for the summer. Which uh, she hated. She hated that. She hated that a lot. She thought it was somewhat similar to cheating. And so she never talked to me. She avoided me entirely in every way. Uh, She sat at the opposite end of the lunch table, and she also made sure that her locker was as far away from my locker as possible, which I actually appreciated because I hated the locker room. And if you didn't, I don't understand you. Um, But for two reasons. The first was like the idea of other people seeing me naked was absolutely horrific. Like that was like, I was like repulsed on like the, what are the toads that have lots of holes? The Sarlacc toad thing, Suriname toad thing. I had like that level of fear about other people seeing me naked. Um, And I also found the other idea, the idea of other people being naked and me having to figure out where not to look also equally stressful. I was like, I know I'm doing this wrong. I don't know how I'm doing this wrong, but every way I'm doing this, I'm doing this wrong. Um, But the thing that was easier, harder was controlling my body. And so I just changed mostly in the bathrooms. And on the days that I could not avoid taking a shower, I would like quick draw McGraw my towel around myself like so fast that I was like bare legged for under a second, which was quite fast. Um, The weird thing is that I really like showering um, because in the shower, I was private and no one was there. And I think about my favorite person as a 12 year old who was Sailor Mercury. Thank you. Uh, Sailor Mercury, as apparently you're not familiar. (laughs) Losers. 
Uh, it was the first of the Sailor Scouts who was recruited by Sailor Moon to be a part of her gang of child soldiers who fought paranormal <laughs> monsters. Um, and Sailor Mercury was known for her strategic mind and also her loyalty. Um, and she had short, really puffy blue hair and big glasses and pretty eyes. And she had a visor and like a little graphing calculator. And uh, <laughs> I like had a lot of questions about this. Like, I feel like for some of us, there's like a liminal figure in adolescence of like, do I want to be her or do I want to do her? And I like did not know, but that was what I thought about in the shower at length. And so that was how most of the summer passed. Um, and as, as it went on, as summer camp kept going, I became a nominally better athlete because I had to keep up with Lindsay, who was exhausting. <laughs> Fucking Doberman. And I would just be chasing her all of the time and I would be slowly getting better at sports every single day. And it was making Lindsay crazy. And so one day, playing basketball, and like everyone is on most of the other side of the court and we're on the other end of the court. So clearly I'm being a pain in the ass for no reason. And Lindsay stopped short. I am like so close to her that like the sweat on her ponytail like splats me in the face. And she holds out her hand and she puts her hand over my face. Like she's checking to see how deflated the volleyball is. And then she squeezes a little bit and pushes me away. And she doesn't say anything. She just looks at me like I'm slime. And I became very upset. <laughs> and when you have a rival, you pay attention to them. You pay attention to the things that make them uncomfortable, the things that make them upset. And with Lindsay, it was pretty easy. I'm not proud of this part. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay's, Lindsay's mother would arrive at camp before all the other parents when it's time for pickup. And she would park and then she would stand like at the, at the edge of the field or at the edge of the court. She would stand there and then she would yell at Lindsay continuously until the game was over. And it wasn't the nature of what she said that was so upsetting, but that she like, she kept going. And the way she said Lindsay's name was like, closer to an insult than the way you would say your, your child's name, you know? Um, so I'm really sorry. So she would say, focus, Lindsay, get in the game, Lindsay, pass that ball, Lindsay. And we all thought it was kind of fucked up. Like, you know, the feeling when you're like that parent is wrong. There's a weirdness in the force there. And there were, there were theories on, on Lindsay's mom. But that was what I remembered in my moment of anger. And so I jog up to the other side of the court. And I'm real close to Lindsay, and she's awkwardly a little bit used to that. And I just say, focus, Lindsay. Get in the game, Lindsay. Make the basket, Lindsay. <laughs> Lindsay freaked out. 
Lindsay did not make a basket. She could not complete a pass. She missed everything, and that was not her style. And the instant the game was over, she marched off straight to the locker room. And I thought, I deserve a shower. (laughs) So I'm in the shower. I'm thinking about Sailor Mercury, as you know, a brilliant strategist. And I, I'm enjoying my shower. Uh, and then I like periscope my arm to reach for my towel to move on like my quick draw McGraw like cleany towel guy. And my towel is not there. And I start to get a little nervous. I start to get a little nervous. Because I'm like, maybe I forgot my towel. That's unlikely. Maybe it's somewhere, maybe it's on the ground. It's not on the ground. And I start to panic. I'm like, cool, I'll wait it out. And I don't know if you've ever waited for 12-year-old girls to get out of the bathroom. I don't know if you've ever waited for them while they're discussing drama. But I had long enough to think of a plan like a real plan, a Sailor Mercury level plan. (laughs) And so as like the voices were slowly fading and the like, Aries and Lindsay sitting in a tree, G-L-A-R-I-N-G, it was like going away. I slammed on the soap dispenser as hard as I could. And I covered my hands in that like nasty industrial soap that they have in young children's locker areas. Why do we use that for children? And I covered my entire body with it. And I'd like to say that it made a soapy soft layer, but it did not. But it made me really sticky. (laughs) And that was what I wanted. And so I'm like a little sticky. I'm still um, sky clad, as you say. And I booked it from the shower to the bathroom. And in the bathroom areas, there's like the sinks and then there's the paper towel dispenser. And then I slammed on that paper towel dispenser, like pretty hard. And I just got sheet after sheet after sheet of that paper towel stuff that like cuts your nose if you use it to wipe your face, abrasive. And then I like slapped it on my body like plywood and in the shower I had thought I'll look like a mummy like a deceased Egyptian prince and I actually looked like a pinata but I wasn't naked anymore and so then I walked with my arms very close to my sides so that it stayed together. Because the thing about that industrial soap is it's only stickier for a short period of time. And then everything around you starts ripping. So the pinata was left in the rain. Um, and I'm like walking to, my, to the locker area and all of the other 12 year olds are gone. Except for my towel, which Lindsay is holding. And I look at Lindsay. And Lindsay looks at me. And this was not what Lindsay had expected. (laughs) Not at all what she had dreamed in her dreams. Uh, And I looked at her, and something passed between us both, which was my towel. And I took my towel and wrapped it around myself with great modest earnestness. And then there was a silent moment. 
And then we both said two things at the same time. And I said, Lindsay, I'm so sorry. That was messed up. And Lindsay said, my mom isn't a bad person. And I didn't know what to say. But Lindsay had more to say. And she said, my mom wants me to do my best. And she pushes me really hard because she wants me to do my best. And I always try to do my best. And I always make mistakes. And you always make me make more mistakes. And she watches them. And she just gets really upset. She wants, she wants me to do my best. And I think I can do my best. But it's very hard to always do my best. And I didn't know what to say. But I pulled my towel. And I sat next to Lindsay. And I just heard her talk for a while. And she kept... She had a lot. She had a lot to say. And I didn't know what to tell her. I didn't know what to say. But I just stayed with her. And when she started to cry, I just kind of cozied up next to her the way I did during our games. <laughs> and we stayed through like lunch and we stayed through arts and crafts. And I, I wouldn't say that we were like best of friends after that. Um, but things were different. And I, I talked to the counselors and I asked them if we could be on the same team sometimes. And after much thinking, I put my locker next to her locker. Narrators is produced by me, Ron Doyle, Sydney Crane, and Aaron Rollman, with help from Karen Wachtel, Jesse Witten, and Scott Carney. Thanks to our sponsors, Bumport Theatre Company, Illegal Pete's, From That Photo, and Great Divide Brewing Company. Our theme music is by Whalehawk, and we'd also like to thank TikTok, who provided the outro music you're listening to right now. You can find a link to their music in the show notes for this episode. Hey, are you still listening to these credits right now? Because I'm going to go off my usual script for a moment to ask you, have you subscribed to this podcast yet? Have you left a rating or a review or told a friend about your favorite episode? Because we really want the voices of our storytellers to be heard, for their stories to reach more people, and we just can't do that without you. We want to hear from you, too. We want to know more about which stories you love the most. So come on, reach out. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at our website, thenarrators.org. And sincerely, thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>